Well, I work from home and I have the joy of a job which allows me to be outside half the time, inside half the time. Um, so I can come to a site like today or one of our Forest of Flowers sites where we've planted loads of wildflowers and see a vision of trees growing, hearing birds in the background, seeing wildflowers. That, if you know what was there before and it was you, didn't have those things in it, that landscape is a, is, is a fantastic landscape and I get real joy out of that. I'm Pete Leeson and I've worked at the Woodland Trust. This is my 26th year at the Trust and I've done a range of roles for the Trust over those years. Um, but for the last 10 years I've been pretty much involved in a project across Cumbria, North Lanx, a bit of Yorkshire, uh, really persuading people to plant trees. And uh, that sounds like a simple enough job but planting trees for a, a variety of reasons. Uh, it could be climate change, it could be species, um, so habitat changes, um, it could be a community-led project, but really any, any kind of tree-related positive project. Well, I was born and brought up in Suffolk, and um, you know, my father died when I was very young, and uh, when we had an acre of land, and my mother pretty much fed us from the garden, and she was a great conservationist and wildlife gardener, really, so, um, Everyone laughed at my mother because she had as many hollyhocks and larkspur and, and, and red campion in her flower beds and daisies as she had uh, vegetables. But her belief was if you bring in the right um, insects, you get fewer diseases. And she's still doing that system today and she's in her 80s. And I think that was a great learning for me was to look at polycultures, not monocultures to have companion planting, to have all those things going on. And, it, and the back of my mind was always that conservation uh, was something I might want to do as a volunteer. But when the chance came up after my master's degree to, to work with the Wooden Trust, it was, um, it was a no-brainer, really. So it's, I think those early beginnings are really important. And this is why, really, one of the projects we're trying to always engage with is trying to get kids um, and adults involved in planting trees. Because once your eyes have been opened to all the benefits that come from planting trees or, or, or putting wildflowers back or whatever kind of conservation thing you do, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. It, it's, it's a healthy thing to do. It's, it, it gives you, it innovates you intellectually. It's a great thing to do. And I think I've just, I've just had a, a lovely quarter century of work really. Um, so don't, there's no regrets there, and I think actually encouraging anybody to get involved would be great. So this is uh, one of the larger projects we've worked on in recent years at T-Bay Common. Um, and the reason I brought you here to, to, to look at what we're doing here is because of part of the scale, really, but it has multiple outputs, this project. Simply done, we've put some fences up and planted trees, but the, the import of those trees is massive. Uh, so T-Bay itself has flooded uh, in recent history, um, but also we're on the, one of the tributaries of the Loon here, and the Loon in Desmond was, a, was uh, turned into a massive river 
and affected uh, lots of communities downstream, but particularly Lancaster. Um, so anything we can do to slow the flow of water up here um, is a really good thing. And the way we've designed the tree planting in the river valleys and the stream valleys, um, slowing the flow of water in the valleys, but also capturing uh, more water and slowing down the flow into the streams as well. So we're, we're working at sort of catchment, even a micro catchment scale, trying to, to influence the flow of water. Um, at the same time, however, we've got uh, biodiversity gains up here. We've already got uh, many more small birds coming in. And we've got roosting paces now. We've seen um, shorted owl population boom as the as the voles have come back. So the biodiversity side is definitely um, on the move as well. Um, notably here, we've seen um, flowers return that we haven't seen for quite a long time, and that loss of grazing from these these small areas has enabled that flora to change quite radically and positively towards uh, you know, wildflowers and more insects and more birds. So the other great thing about this project is actually the number of partners that have been engaged with it. Um, so T-Bay Common is about 1,040 hectares. Um, it's now in a higher level stewardship scheme, which we helped to facilitate. And the initial project was the planting of trees, but subsequently other partners have come on board. So Loon Rivers Trust have been delivering some leaky uh, woody dams. Um, so that they're slowing the flow, they're capturing and, and, and just notching back some of the, some of the higher flows. Um, we've had a similar thing on the top of the fell with uh, Cumbria Wildlife Trust, who've um, done some peatland restoration, which also includes some woody dams. Um, on top of that, we've got quite a lot of research going on. So Nick Chappell at Lancaster University with his um, natural flood management project um, has got a couple of flumes on the fell and is measuring the impact of these different activities on water flows across those flumes. So it's a, it's a fantastic project. The, the farmers have been great. They've, they've kept their stock out of the areas that we fenced off and planted. Um, we've had full access to come and maintain stuff. We've got a great landowner, Lonsdale Estates, um, working with us. We've got the multiple partners and all of these outputs. So it's been a great community scheme, really. those prunings just to get just to go and plant in the wet areas but plant them really close together and have a go at that. So you want to crack on with that task yeah. and then uh, just upright them. So leave leave a leader with plenty of room on it because of your height. Okay. But you can go back to where you leave this and then just plant them on these schemes the aftercare of trees is critical. So planting them is one thing, and there's a lot of work goes into getting to that point, but it's a bit like a, you know, a dog is not just for Christmas, is it? You know, a tree is not just for Christmas, you've got to look after it. So um, we've got a volunteer here today with us, Neil, and we're just sort of going through the ropes of, of showing Neil what to do in terms of some aftercare maintenance on willow in this, in this particular area. Often the trees grow quite well, but then they get to a certain height and, and will collapse if the ground is, is very wet. Uh, the tree tubes we use, we have to use them because of the deer and sheep 
if they do get in, we'll, we'll eat these young trees. But actually the tree tubes make them atoliate, which is to come up really quite quickly. And sometimes that leads to them then collapsing. So at all stages, we need to make sure these trees are, are, um, are growing well, really. So sometimes we need to come in, prune, put them back upright again, bang the stakes back in again. If they've died, we would replace them with another tree and generally make sure that they are growing because yeah, there's no point planting, spending all that money planting without these things being here in 10 years time. Um, so what Neil's been doing is pruning, cutting them back a bit, losing some of the weight in the top and then putting them back upright again. I have two, two competing things really. I'm an outside nut really, so all my adult life I've rock climbed, canoed, sailed, mountain biked, road biked. I used to run, but my knees are a bit older than I am now, so um, that has stopped that one. Um, but I also love playing music, so I've got, I'm in a couple of bands at the moment. I play the guitar and the fiddle adequately, not very well, but adequately, and, um, and enjoy music a lot. So um, if I'm inside, I'm usually practicing something. If I'm outside, I'm usually dirty, messy, smelly, <laughs> jumping in and out of something. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, so anything to do outside, anything to do with music, really. Probably the most inspirational character I think I've come across is probably Grant Luscombe at Landlife. Um, all the regenerative stuff that they were doing with wildflowers. You're turning over um, derelict land and putting down to wildflowers and creating habitats. Um, so Everton Park now in Liverpool um, has got wildflowers in it because of Landlife. You know, there's motorways, we've got like, wildflowers down the Grand Central Reservations because of them. You know, that kind of work I find inspirational because it's got everything it's got color people love it it's inspirational it shows people that you can do you can make changes yeah it's really fantastic and grant was was very much the head of that and with his colleague richard scott so i do hold those two guys up as being my yeah go-to people for conservation so i suppose i first met jack um probably 12 or 13 years ago at a training day and we got chatting at that point about what he wanted to do for the for the Ribble and, um, and what my role was in trying to persuade people to plant trees. And we realised there's a lot of synergies, you know, um, a lot of the work that is required along the backsides or on riversides, restoring some shade and shelter to, tree, uh, to rivers, um, sort of keeping rivers cool project, um, you know, adding leaf litter back into some of these streams. And a lot of the streams, like the one we're next to, you know, until, until this stream was, was planted, it was, open to the atmosphere like so many uh, streams in the uplands no leaf litter no shade no shelter so massive changes in temperature um you know no leaf litter to, to to drive the algae and the and the invertebrates so jack and i had conversations about that and, and and really what it came down to was what could we do together to make best use of the funds we had available the time and the knowledge we had um and i've learned a huge amount through working with river, river trust about fish about rivers about how they work and hopefully quid pro quo for that is that we've taught you quite a lot about trees you know we've had those, those things and so where they work really well together i can we can name loads of schemes where we've now got trees and riparian habitat that's been um worked on by both the woodland trust and the river trust together and um you know i think we're we're, we're far richer as a result of that The Trust was formed, I think, in about 1972. 
So we're not far off 50 years old, um, and I've worked for them for half that time. When I joined, we were about 80 strong in numbers, and now we're about 500, so we've grown massively in that respect. Uh, I think we're a very well-known charity. Lots of people have heard of our name, um, and so we've got, we've, I think, that unique selling point of trees has given us a real focus uh, for people's attention. Um, we do a lot of planning cases, we do a lot of campaigning, uh, we're mentioned in Hansard, we go to government to, to talk about policy, so policy with DEFRA and things like that, future farming policy we're involved in. Lots of stuff at that side, and then the side I work on, which is that sort of engagement with communities, people, landowners who want to plant trees. You know, the projects I've been dealing with the last 10 years have delivered 2 million trees, so quite significant. We've spent sort of brought in a million pounds in my project, supporting landowners, farmers and people to get trees in the ground, and we hope to do more of that in the future. Um, we've got uh, work we're doing now around the climate crisis. So we've got a big tree planting event, uh, or happenings, I should say, from on the 30th of November this year. And really trying to talk to people about, about the benefits of trees across the landscape, whether it's water protection, it's water quality, um, climate agenda. You know, we really need to plant more trees. It's, it's a great thing to do for, for all sorts of benefits. Um, and the Trust is definitely championing that uh, across the piece. I think the biggest challenges that we've faced, and I think it's, it's still there, I think it's lessening to a degree, is really that people have not valued trees. You have a landscape which is pretty denuded of trees, particularly in the uplands. Um, we've got something like 113,000 hectares of common land in Cumbria with, a, with a, a woodland cover of about a quarter of a percent. You know, we've just taken all, all the trees away from our fells. And so when we come along and say we really want to put some back, that challenges a lot of people's thinking. You know, whether that's landowners who want to, to maintain a farmland or whether it's uh, landscape people who think the aesthetics of the landscape is, is the way it is now, is that's the way it should be. You, there's multiple conversations there, really, quite apart from the funding and finance of all that, which is also quite hard work. So we have to change mindsets, we have to, we have to seek out funding, we have to make funding what we, that we have go as far as it can do. So th those are massive challenges. People have really undervalued what the landscape can give in terms of natural capital. What's great is the conversations are now coming back to that. So we have this, we have Dieter Hellman, his natural capital work, we have people valuing for the first time properly actually the role that trees could give to them. We have this climate emergency. That's massive. I think the conversations we've had in the last 18 months have really turned around the corner. Um, and people have suddenly begun to realize that actually the landscape offers a huge potential to take up carbon, store carbon, um, and in the same place to create biodiversity habitat. So actually, I think the conversations are getting better I'm still concerned that not enough people are having those conversations and there isn't enough push from government yet to actually deliver at scale and scale is where we need to be. So the challenges are there. I think the conversations have got better. We'll always have this um, multiple land use thing. Farmers want to graze. We want to grant, maybe plant trees. We have a policy that is a bit ambivalent about some of those things. There's always going to have to be a navigation through that. But, you know, I think it's getting easier, but you know, look at what we've already done, we've done a lot, but it's still only scratching the surface. Um, recently I've been dealing with some people who, who want to 
plant trees. Um, and they've come to it um, because they've sort of their eyes have been opened through conversations and through reading things. If I if I have a meeting with someone and they're ambivalent to start with, and then you say, well, we'll have a look at this, read this, see this thing on YouTube. Let's have a conversation in a year's time, and they come back to you in a year's time and say, I really want to do this. That's a great day's work because you've changed their mind. They've gone ahead, they've looked at stuff, they've researched it, and they've come back to you. And I have, you know, for me, that conversation happens every fortnight now. You know, we have people coming back and saying, actually, I really do want to do this. That's great. So when you've changed somebody's mind, you've given them an opportunity to go and look and research and find out, and they've done it, and they've come back to you, that's a huge, well, it's just a great thing, isn't it? So yeah, working with other people, getting them to change their mindset. The critical thing, I think, from now on in, is that we try to create connections in the landscape. So we've done some great work, particularly at places like T-Bay, where we've shown what can be done by uh, thoughtful planting in the right places. Um, I mean, here we've taken 12% of the common unplanted trees, so it still leaves a big area for grazing of animals. If we can connect the habitat we've created here with other habitats of value elsewhere, um, then we are really genuinely uh, providing good value habitats which are connected and therefore are more resilient in terms of climate change. So species are having to move uphill or north in the face of, of increasing temperature. Um, because of the way we've managed our landscape, we've fragmented a lot of habitats. So ancient woodlands often have wheat fields around them. So the little, the animals and, and plants within those ancient woodlands can't move. So if we can get connections between those different habitat types, connect them together, we can use waterways as a fantastic corridor. Um, we've got verges along some, some roads around here, which are really high quality in terms of grasslands. If we can reconnect those habitats, then I think we might be getting somewhere. We might make some more resilience in the landscape. Um, and I think there's every chance we could do that um, if we think about it intelligently, if we get the right people on board. Um, I would like to see habitats reconnected for everything, whether it's a curlew, whether it's a butterfly, a moth, a wildflower, so that the seeding potential there, the, the potential for those things seems to move through the landscape. And I think we should be aiming for that, at the very least. Our Talking Rivers series of audio productions has been brought to you by Ribble Rivers Trust as part of the Ribble Life Together project. It celebrates the rich cultural, social and natural heritage of the Ribble catchment. Creating the series has been made possible by national lottery players through the Heritage Fund. For more episodes and information, visit ribblelifetogether.org.